It's good to see you all. I like, I like Labor Day weekend. It means no work, although uh, that's just not the story for a pastor. You know, it doesn't go down that way. You might notice something very different about the stage this morning. And uh, that's because we're going to be coming out of Jonah uh, this morning. And we're going to preach that straight out of the belly of a great fish. It just seems kind of appropriate, right? Um, wasn't that worship beautiful this morning? Uh, let's give God glory and honor and praise because the spirit is so sweet here. It is so sweet. You know, when we think about the Old Testament, we don't often talk about the Old Testament in terms of informing the Gentile mission. We don't uh, uh, look to the Old Testament necessarily as the inclusive text that kind of paves the way uh, for the New Testament. But in Jonah, that is exactly what is going to happen. It's an interesting text uh, in that way. Jonah, one of the Old Testament prophets, was from a a small town just a couple of miles north of Nazareth. A small town, Nazareth being where Jesus and his family is from. And and, and it uh, it was then, um, uh, back then, uh, part of the northern kingdom, okay, to kind of orient us. Jonah is a very short book. It's, it's just a very brief uh, uh, four-chapter uh, book. You can read it probably in ten minutes, uh, the whole thing. And uh, we're going to uh, look through selections of Jonah this morning as we talk about a very important word, witness. What it means to be a witness to the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to start us off this morning in a text That's the very first words of the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1. So if you have a Bible app on your phone or you want to follow the screens or if you have an actual print Bible with you, I would invite you at this time to turn to Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and I'll be doing that from the NIV. Now listen here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship for that port. After paying the fare, he boarded and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So in the first three verses of Jonah, we get an incredible amount of information. And the first point that I want to make about witness is that there is a lot of power in perspective. Which is kind of why we have uh, the belly of a great fish here. You know, we're trying to create some perspective. But I want to do that in another way uh, this morning. And I'm going to need three volunteers to do that with me. Now, I'm not going to make you talk, I swear. But I am going to need you to come up, three volunteers, and I will come pick you if you do not come pick me. So I need three volunteers. Go ahead and make your way up. We're going to talk about some perspective. Tom McLean, you get a great big prize. Who will join him? Julia, come on up. Come on around. Come on up. Come on up here. Come on up here. Get on up here. One more. One more. Come on. Anybody? Who's going to do it? One more. Come on. Yes! We did it. Crosswalk. Would you give them a hand? We got three volunteers, and we just got started. That's a volunteer perverse already. Now, come here, Julia. Come here. I, I like you, Julia. You make, our, you make our altar so pretty, right? And I didn't plan this, right? 
Since I like you so much, you are going to represent Joppa, and I'm going to be Jonah, okay? I'm going to give this crowd some perspective about this verse, okay? Now, uh, where did God tell Jonah to go? Nineveh, right? Yes, Nineveh. Don't say, exactly don't right. say, don't say where we normally tell people to oh, go. Yeah, exactly. Just say Nineveh. Okay, the answer is Nineveh. Now, so I'm going to, I like you too, and I'm going to ask you to be Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is, is, is not that many, it's a couple hundred miles away, but it's kind of go back there, Viv, you know, just back over there. So, yeah, perfect. No, that's perfect. That's exactly right. So you're, we're dry land. There's dry land between us. Now, you are Tarshish. <laughs> And you people that thought you weren't volunteering, all of you are volunteering. So on this side, you are a great C, a big C. So on this side, I want you to do this. And on this side, I want you to do this. Okay, you are a C. Now, you, Tom, I want you to go way across the sea, and I'll tell you when to stop going. So take off, bro. Okay, we're getting some perspective here. Now, Nineveh, it should be an easy trip for me, right? But I'm going to board the ship. No, no, Tom, keep going. Keep going. Tom, Tom, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Out the door, Tom. Go. Out the door. All right. Tom has finally made it to Tarshish. He's way gone. Do you see? Does that give you some perspective on Jonah and how much Jonah did not want to provide this witness that God Yes. Will you give them a hand, please? Thank you for helping us with perspective. Thank you. You're amazing. You're amazing. So we learn here in our first opening uh, verses of Jonah that there is power in perspective. Power in perspective. One of the striking things right out of the gate is seeing Jonah's response to God to go and preach to Nineveh. Let me uh, help us uh, further uh, develop this. Um, Jonah boards this boat, right? Jonah boards this boat and takes off for Tarshish. And immediately, guess what happens? The seas begin to heave. Go ahead and heave. Yeah, the heaving seas. You see how that works? Now, uh, at first, the sailors on board, you can stop heaving, that's enough. I'm going to heave all morning, come on. At first, the sailors on board are simply afraid, right? They're just, they're just a little bit of afraid. And they're afraid for their personal safety. They begin to wonder, man, are we uh, being punished by the gods? Because these are, these are Gentile uh, sailors. They, they just have lots of gods. And they begin to wonder if specifically this one particular god, Yom, Yom, say Yom. Not Yam, like what you eat at Thanksgiving, Yom, right? So Yom, this is a, a god of the sea that they like worshipped and stuff. But their fears escalate during the storm. Heave a little more violently. Yeah, don't poke anybody. Just, okay, that's good, that's good. Perspective is good. So the dread begins to set in, right? For these sailors as they're on this stormy sea and the, and the sea begins to heave more violently. And through Jonah's testimony, they go and wake him up. And through Jonah's testimony, they realize and discern that this action may be a God beyond their God. Jonah's God, Yahweh, right? The God who doesn't even have a name. Yahweh is just what we call God. In the Bible, you don't even say this word, right? Because you're reverent. And so they meet in this heaving storm and in this violent storm a superior god they meet the lord of all 
And they begin to see that their God, what's his name? Yum. Isn't really, it's a God with a little G, right? And, and, and Jonah's God is like a God with a big G, right? And so what happens is they start realizing that Yom is part of God's creation. Like if, 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 if Yom is anything, Yom is part of God and God is superior over this God. And that's when in this book, the longest the longest direct conversation begins to occur. And it's a prayer. It's a prayer. But you know what's interesting? Ironically, this prayer is not on the lips of, the, of Jonah. It's on the lips of the Gentile sailors. It's on the lips of the crew of the boat. It is the Gentiles who turn to God, big G, in prayer. Their fear, it turned from circumstantial fright to worship. Their conditions turned from chaotic to calm. See what's happening? Their relationship turned from uh, head knowledge into reverent, heartfelt loyalty and humble obedience, healthy fear, in a good way, the kind that Jonah was supposed to have. Their fear turned to faith, you might say. Their fear turned to faith. And so that shifts our perspective a little bit, doesn't it? It, it, it shifts our perspective. And so the, the question that this, this first opening text is begging to ask is, are we running from what God has for us? Are we running from what God has for us? Now, now, now listen, I understand that God may call us sometimes from a difficult place. That happens. Maybe God has somehow um, allowed a restlessness to sit in upon you. Sometimes that happens when we're kind of searching and seeking what God may have for us. Some, some of you may be sitting here this morning right now thinking, yeah, you know what, that kind of hits me a little bit because I, I do feel a little restless and a little, a little restless from where I'm at. Maybe you're here today and you, uh, you realize that, um, that you wake up this morning and you live in a den of your own enemies, right? I mean, that happens sometimes in our life. There are so many different places that, that we might wake up today. Maybe today God's calling on you and your life is becoming more clear. Maybe, maybe you're in that place where you kind of uh, had that restlessness and stuff, but, but now you're starting to see things more clearly, the thing that God has for you, some of you might wake up this morning and think, it's, it's hard. That's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for me to do. But maybe what God is calling you to do is going to require, even in some instances, a great sacrifice on your part. It could be money. It could cost you your comforts. It could cost you your relationships, right? Those are all things that could happen when God comes calling. 
It may even cost you your pride, and that really stings for us, especially in 2017. We don't like for it to affect our pride. Maybe God is calling you out of the closet, though, to witness for God. Because I believe that God is calling each and every one of us out to witness for God. Now, maybe you've shied from talking about this in the past. Maybe that's not been a comfortable notion for you in the past. Maybe it's hard for you to kind of think about talking about your faith or your church. Maybe it's hard for you to kind of uh, talk about the things that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of, the things that the, the text tend to search us, you know, and sometimes that brings up stuff that we kind of feel inside. And it's hard to talk about those things. But that's exactly the kind of witness that God calls Jonah to be, and I believe that God is calling us to do. So if we are running at all from God this morning, if we are running away from what God has for us in any aspect of our lives, we have to know this one important fact, and it's that how we respond to that has consequences. Has consequences. You going to embrace what God is calling you to this morning and, and travel the road here, are you going to have to go through this sea to learn your lesson? That's the question. So Jonah chose the treacherous way. Jonah chose to go through the hard route because he thought that his way is better than God's way. Now, how many of you have ever thought that? I'm going to confess as your pastor, the first thing I will confess is that I have, by God, chosen the hard way before, right? The hard, treacherous way. And thank you for being honest, those of you who were, because uh, we, we do that sometimes. But you know what God does in this book that is just like God redeems that decision? <laughs> God redeems this decision that Jonah makes and literally brings a boatload of sailors to pray to God. All right, Jonah, if you're going to make this dumb choice, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save this whole boatload of, while you flail around in the ocean. Because that's the nature of God, you see. Instead of faithful obedience, Jonah did what? Ran. But then God changed Jonah's perspective too. I told you, remember those consequences? God, the transforming creator of all, <laughs> provides a, a great big fish. A humongous fish. And it <clears throat> swallows Jonah. It swallows Jonah. One way or another, friends, there is power in perspective. <laughs> You see what's happening? Which perspective we choose matters greatly. Our responses to God can greatly impact the experiences we have. And Jonah learns this. So let me tell you, Jonah finds himself in a real mess, right? A real mess. He's in the belly of a great fish. 
And, and let me tell you about this great fish, y'all. It is not the cozy little confines of a kind of a cavernous, uh, cavey fish with a nice warm campfire that echo, 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 echo. We see that in the kids' cartoons. Sometimes that is not the great fish. That is not what happens. I'm talking about a waterlogged, tight space, more like a coffin. Now, this, this is awful for me, right? Because I'm a little bit claustrophobic. How many of you are claustrophobic? Don't like the, yeah, me, me too. I don't like little tight spaces <laughs> like this. So to be in the belly of a great fish would be my personal nightmare come true, especially underwater where I can't breathe like normally and stuff. But I found myself in some of those situations in life. Have you? You ever found yourself, you woke up in kind of a tight spot? How many people are still being honest now? <laughs> okay. So let's look at Jonah 2. Verses 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. And he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. Finally. Finally, Jonah prays. But look at the mess he's in, right? It's okay. He should pray, right? The most impressive thing about this fish here is not its size. It's, it, it was certainly grand. There was certainly something grander going on, right? The most impressive thing about this fish is not that it swallows Jonah, since the dawn of time, there have been creatures that could eat a whole person, right? <laughs> There's something grander going on. The most impressive thing about this fish is not the species. It doesn't really matter if it's a whale or a shark whale. In Jesus' own words, Jesus uses the Aramaic word for sea monster. <laughs> but it's still not the greatest thing. It's not the most grand thing about this creature. The greatest thing about this creature is that it is obedient to God. And that God is in control of it. It is doing what Jonah himself should be. Obeying and submitting to God. In a way, the fish has traits that God wants of Jonah, right? We need to get some fishy faith crosswalk. We need to get some fishy faith. Creation is obedient to God, so why isn't Jonah? Why aren't we? Jonah is in the belly of a great fish for three days, and in those days, Jonah manages to say a very little, just a few lines, a very little prayer. In fact, this is so not three days worth of dialogue. And so it brings me to a second really important point about witness. There is power in prayer. You know what I'm saying? How many of you believe that this morning? There is power in prayer. How many times have we, like Jonah, found ourselves in places like this in our lives? How many times have we felt life closing in on us? How many times... Have we thought that 
Everything around us stinks. <laughs> right? How many times have we woken up in darkness and, and, and drowning in our own consequences? How many times have we had that feeling of being alone or afraid? But Jonah remembers something important here. Jonah remembers something that gives me hope and that should give you hope. Jonah remembers that even from the pit of hell, even from the belly of Sheol, that God can transform such a place into an altar, a most beautiful cathedral, a consecrated chapel. A secret chamber where he remembers his first love, God. And he starts praying like the psalmist would pray, David. He starts praying a prayer. He starts standing on the shoulders of King David in his prayer to God. A scripture that Jonah would have known very, very well. Here's what it might sound like in the psalmist's words. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Create in me a, a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Please, God, do not cast me from your presence. Please, God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but grant me, Lord, a willing spirit and restore to me the joy of your salvation. Jonah, in this moment of being laid out, is stood up on the shoulders of those who came before him. And that's what we've been talking about for five weeks now being stood up on the shoulders. He prays a prayer worthy of King David himself. He's remembering his faith. Perhaps he's losing and regaining consciousness in this fish. But he cries out from the belly of it. And he remembers how low he's gone. And he remembers how God's love is lifting him up. How can we make the most, friends, of where we find ourselves now? That's the question that this text begs of us. How? How can we make the most of where we find ourselves now? The answer is in Jonah's prayer. That sounded like the psalmist David. When I read that passage, I think of an old hymn. When I was growing up, you know, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else would help, love lifted me, if you know it, sing it with me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else would help. Love lifted me. 
The way, the way that we can make the most of where we find ourselves today is to remember that God's love is lifting us. That God's love is lifting us. That if God is for us, then who can be against us? We can claim the scripture that no weapon formed against me will stand. <laughs> because God's love is lifting us to stand on those promises. You may be facing problems at work this week. But God is lifting you in God's love. You may be fighting with the demons of porn or idolatry or a whole bunch of other things, gossip or infidelity or addiction or all kinds of things. But what you can hold fast to this morning is pray from the belly of Sheol because God's love is going to respond to you and lift you up. You hear me? God is your hope. Even from that place, you have an opportunity right now to turn the belly of the great fish that is under God's control and obedient to God. And God can change things for you by lifting you in God's love. Whatever hell we may be living in, God can transform it. You hear me? It can be transformed into a beautiful cathedral. There's power in prayer. Does God fix it all? Well, sort of. God's love lift us, yes. God's love comforts us, yes. In fact, though, in this story, it doesn't mean that we're not a mess still. God commands creation <coughs> to puke Jonah up. <laughs> so we may feel like fish puke, friends. Check it. Check out fish puke, Jonah. This is him, yeah. It may look like this in real life. But it's merciful. <laughs> you know, it is. God lifts us in life. It's a rescue. He may be fish puke, but God's puked him up back on the right path to Nineveh. <laughs> At, you know, that one that God intended. <laughs> Jonah learned something very important in this story. Both from running from God on land and from praying to God in the deeps that there is power in God's presence. There is power in God's presence. Jonah knew it. That's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place because Jonah knew that God would be compassionate and merciful against the Ninevites. He didn't want to be part of that because he didn't like them. So God reissues the call on Jonah's life. And Jonah, Jonah makes a different decision. Jonah makes a decision that I think is one of the most important things of our time right now. Jonah makes a decision and remembers that there is a, a power in God's presence. And that's what we need, friends. We need, we need a restoration of divine power in our world. That's what we need. We need a restoration of divine power in our world. And I believe, Crosswalk, that is what God is calling us to in this time and in this place and in this series. That we need a restoration of divine power. I tell you what God really needs right now is a whole bunch of Christians with their heart on fire for God. 
with their hearts on fire and ablaze. If you want a restoration of the divine power, then our witness of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ has to come from hearts that are on fire for God. You want a revival, it starts with you. It starts with me. You might have to confront somebody in your witness. You might have to to do some unquestionable things. Noah didn't stand up on the ark, right, and say, hey, y'all, something good is about to happen. That did not happen. Daniel wasn't down in the lion's den saying, don't worry, be happy. That did not happen either. The the disciples of, of Jesus Christ didn't say, I'm okay, you okay? But we, all, we have to be compassionate when we witness, though. Regardless of any of that, we have to be compassionate. And God is compassionate in this story. God gives Nineveh 40 days to straighten up and fly right. <laughs> 40 days. It's mercy. If we, want, if we want a restoration of divine power here in Crosswalk and in the circles that we travel in life, then we have to have a witness that witnesses of the one true compassionate God. And if the God you're witnessing about is not compassionate, then you need to brush up on your God, on your one true God. The question that this text is begging then is will we embrace the return of God's divine power? In our lives, will we do that? We do that with eight really beautiful words around here. Challenge in love that which divides. That's only six, right? The other ones are on these really cool new shirts. (laughs) Loving all. In eight words, you have a powerful witness that can help transform, that can help bring about a restoration of the divine power right here in our context in Dallas, Texas, right now. You've got the words. They're concise, just like Jonah's prayer. We are primed here for an unprecedented time of God's divine power. We are primed for it. You've got people here working hard, committed, sold out, families all over this church who say God wants us to love all. But you've got to talk about it to your friends. You've got to share that we've been uh, creating commercials that we've launched out on Facebook so that you can make it easy for you. All you got to do is share them. <laughs> Thank God some of you have, and over 2,500 people have heard some good news about God out of this church. 2,500. <laughs> we had visitors last week that I met, beautiful young people in this congregation last week who saw Facebook said I want to be part of that story that they're telling so are we going to embrace are we going to embrace the return of God's divine power in our lives it's a big question God calls us in power in power I want to read from Jonah 3 now 
because this is what happens. Jonah goes to Nineveh, preaches what God says to preach, and this is God's response. Because Nineveh repents. When God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them destruction that he had threatened. Now, it would be completely reasonable if the story ended right there, if it just kind of was over, but it's not. Let's look at Jonah 4. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort because Jonah was hot. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Oh, the Lord gave me some shade. How nice. But at the dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And listen to Jonah. It would be better for me to die than to live. Oh, now we have a story that really gets at the core issue of Jonah. The real problem with Jonah and Jonah's witness. I'm talking about the inner anger of a person that loves to be treated with God's grace, but does not like that grace to be extended to the people that they don't like. (laughs) So you see, the point of the story after the story is that there is power in God's grace. Power to transform the hearts of Jonah's enemies and power to transform the heart of Jonah Two, Jonah cries out. How does Jonah respond when God puts a plant over his head? Oh, thank you, Lord. I love you, God. But when God treats Jonah like Jonah wants God to treat Nineveh and withdraws God's grace, I'd rather die. It's kind of a double standard. And I know a lot of churches that said it. So my final question is, will we, will we, will we be witnesses together of God's grace? Will we be witnesses together of God's grace? Will we tell others about the power of love and specifically the power of love of God. We have three ways that we're going to provide you to do that. There are new groups starting across this campus. Carla, wave. This one over here, Carla. She's starting a new group beginning August 21st. It's going to be in Serenity House. It's going to be on Monday nights. And this is for the people who want to pray. Pray not only for themselves, but for those around, for our city, for our church, for people. That's 7 p.m. on Monday nights beginning August 21st in Serenity House. We have a second way of doing that. Brandon, wave. Gosh, it's like on both sides of the ocean. Brandon is starting on Friday nights at 7 o'clock in Serenity House, a study that goes about the shack. And this is about challenging and love, that which divides, that unforgiveness, right? That stuff that we grapple with. And Brandon is going to be doing that at 7 p.m. on Friday nights in Serenity House beginning 
August the 25th. That study is going to be focused on how God's lifts us, God lifts us up. God's love lifts us. And then in September, we're going to be starting another study that makes witnessing really easy. For those of you who are like, I'm afraid to witness. I don't know how to witness. It's called Just Walk Across the Room. It's a Bill Hybels study. It's fantastic. That'll be at this campus too. So you can talk to any of us about these groups. We would love to give you that as an opportunity to grow and to embrace the idea that we need a return of God's divine power and that we can all witness God's powerful love in this world and help transform this community. Are you with me? Will you give God a hand this morning? Praise God. I love God. Let's keep worshiping.